Good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to be with you. I'm actually pretty nervous, which is a strange thing because I do this for a living. But um, <clears throat> having had a, over a year of preaching to a computer screen, uh, to get back in front of a big crowd of people is actually quite a strange experience. And particularly with you guys being so uh, close and uh, a church that I love so much, um, it's really significant for me to be here this morning. So thank you so much for inviting me and for having me with you. Um, River City Church says hello. Uh, we love you very much. We continue to look to you as a church to guide our journey. Um, much of what we're doing as a church family is just following in your footsteps and, uh, and trying in some way to keep up. So thank you so much for setting the pace for us, setting the bar, and giving us something to aim for. We do love this church. We love to see what you're building here, continuing to grow and reach new people. I love that most of the people in this room I don't recognize. That is just so encouraging, not that a load of people have left <laughs> since I was last here, but that a load of new people have come into this church family. And so it's just wonderful to see you. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, before I get to my topic this morning, I realized this week that this was uh, probably the last opportunity I would get to speak in front of you uh, and to, uh, about the significant moment that's coming up for you in the next month or so when Steve and Joe uh, leave. And uh, Dan kind of summarized very concisely all that happened in those 10 years as we uh, started Jubilee Church with them. But uh, not only did Steve do an incredible job of leading our team, not only did he and Joe and Caleb build around themselves an incredible church, but they loved me and they loved Abby and they loved us in a way that changed us. All that I now am, all that I'm now able to do as part of the church that I help lead is because of the way that they loved me the way that they brought me in, the way that they put up with all of my mistakes, the way they forgave all of my blunders and my errors, the way that they had grace and patience to allow me to grow into the man that I am now. And I'm so grateful for that love. And I know that many of you are here this morning because you experienced that love from them too. I know that many of you will have felt as if they brought you into their family as well. And so I just want to honor them now that I have this platform, this opportunity, just to say thank you to them for loving me, for loving my family, for loving my church, and, uh, and that I'm so excited about what God has for them. I have this sense of uh, God promises a lot in the Bible. Um, a lot of his promises are to do with generations and inheritance and multiplication through family. And I just feel like God wants to encourage you again as a family that the multiplication that you are birthing is something that you will never see or fully understand, just as Abraham would never see all of the, the generations that were to come from him, like the sand on the shore. But 
the promise became true. And I feel there's promises over you for multiplication that are to continue as you go to Birmingham. And God's just going to continue to uh, help you to father and mother people in Birmingham who are then going to father and mother new generations of believers. And so I hope that we get to see some of that and, uh, and enjoy some of that with you. And for you guys at Jubilee, I just want to commend you again for sending uh, Steve and Joe for being willing to give of your best. I know that that will be very costly for many of you, but I just want to say God loves that. He loves that generosity of spirit. He loves that generosity of heart. And in Dan and your eldership team and leadership team, you have some incredible leaders who are fathers and mothers to you and will continue to lead you well. And so I just want to encourage you to fully trust in them, to fully commit to them, to give yourselves in service to the vision of this church and this family, because I believe it will do you good uh, to be here. Anyway, that was an aside. (laughs) This morning, uh, Dan has asked me to continue your series called This Is Us, looking at what it means to be church family together, and in particular has asked me to speak about what it means to be a people of peace. As I've been thinking about this and praying about it, I felt led to focus in particular on three ways in which we as God's family can know peace and be transformed by it. And I'm going to use something that may be familiar to you, something that we've used as a church in our discipleship of one another, which is to consider uh, our relationship up with God, our relationship in within ourselves and our relationship out with others and how peace can transform all three of those, how peace changes our relationship with God how peace changes our relationship with ourselves, and how peace transforms our relationship with the world around us. So firstly, peace with God. I wonder if you've ever wronged somebody. Have you ever done anything to someone that was unprovoked, but which caused them harm? or pain, and then they found out about what you did. When I was about 12, there was a shop near my house on my route to and from school. I went in one afternoon on my way home, and I had a bit of money with me, but I didn't have enough to buy both the chocolate bar and the can of fizzy drink that I wanted. And so... I walked around the far side of the shop to where the drinks were. I unzipped my school bag and I slipped the can of drink into my bag. And I picked up the chocolate bar and I walked to the till and attempted to pay for it. Little did I realize that the shop owner had a mirror high up on the wall that allowed him to see what was happening in the far aisle of his shop. And so he then asked me, can I please see what's in your bag? Obviously, within my chest, my heart just sunk, because I was like, oh no, he's got me. 
He's caught me, he's seen what I've done. I just felt sick in my stomach because I'd been caught. And I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, there was a big sign in the window that said, thieves will be prosecuted. And as a 12-year-old, I didn't really understand what that meant. But I knew it was serious, whatever prosecuted meant. The shop owner had every right to prosecute me, to call the police. But he said to me that for some reason he wasn't going to do that. In fact, he called my parents, which was almost worse in a way than the police, but he called my parents and my mum came down to collect me from the store. And she, this isn't a a general picture of my mum, she's a very loving person, but she said to the shopkeeper, please do call the police. Please do. He needs to learn his lesson. Do call them. Please do call them. And the shop owner continued to insist, no, I'm not going to. He even said, I don't know why I'm not going to, but I'm not going to call the police this time. I think he's learned his lesson. You can take him home. Instead of treating me in the way that I deserved, in the way that he had every right to, in the way that he was encouraged to by others, he chose instead to show mercy to me, to not punish me for the wrongs that I'd done to him without any provocation, but instead to set me free. I chose this example because the mercy that the shop owner showed me is very much like the mercy that God shows to us. In Romans 5, 9 to 10, it says this, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? That's Jesus. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Reconciliation is the idea of a broken relationship being restored, of where there was distance and separation, now there is reunion. And that passage is saying that God does that through Jesus. He restores our relationship with him, even whilst we were still God's enemies. And Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. That means he was punished for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. God was, Jesus was, uh, was killed for our falling short, our not making God's perfect standards. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds... We are healed. See, much like the shop owner in my story, God stands as the innocent party. He has, in a way, created a a shop for us, a world for us, full of wonderful things for us to enjoy. And he has set some very simple rules for how we are to live in that world, how we are to treat one another, how we are to treat the world he's given us, how we are to treat him. 
as the creator of all those good things. And every single one of us at some point has chosen to break those rules. We've ignored the sign on the door that says, trespassers will be, thieves will be prosecuted. And instead we've chosen to take what we want to to be selfish, to ignore the rules and to break them for our own benefit without provocation. And in so doing, we make ourselves an enemy of God. We make ourselves an enemy of the one who provided all of those things for us. We set ourselves against him. And these acts of rebellion, the Bible calls sin. And we are all guilty of them. But just like the shopkeeper, God chooses not to give us the punishment that we deserve. Instead, he chooses to place that punishment upon himself. To suffer not only the sin, but its consequences. And in so doing, he offers us peace. But we need to accept the offer. We need to receive God's grace. We need to fall on his mercy. Because if we don't receive for ourselves God's offer of forgiveness, if we don't receive for ourselves God's offer of peace and a reconciliation, a restoring of relationship with him, then we remain his enemies. So firstly, how can we be a people of peace? We can be a people of peace by receiving peace with God, by making our peace with him, by asking for his forgiveness and receiving his grace. Secondly, we can receive and be changed by peace within ourselves. You see, even after I became a Christian slightly later in my life, after the story of the shoplifting, I struggled for years and years with feelings, deep feelings of shame about the things that I had done to hurt and harm others. You see, the shopkeeping was a very uh, minor incident in my life. Things got much worse after that point. I did far worse things to far more significant people in my life. I made a complete mess of many of my relationships and harmed some of those that I loved the most. And although I had received grace and forgiveness from God for those things, and although those people had said to me that they had forgiven me, and in many cases relationships had been restored, I had this constant internal sense that I was still broken that there was something wrong with me. Why would I have ever been that selfish? Why did I do those things to those people? There must be something wrong with me. That meant that every time I got close to someone or every time I tried to do good things, I got it wrong, I fell short, I made mistakes, I hurt people. And I felt like that was all because there was something in me that simply could not be fixed. That God loved me, but he loved me despite that. And that was something that could never be resolved. And the problem with that was it created in me this internal tension, like a physical tension. 
that I would feel whenever I walked into a room with others, whenever I was around people, I just felt this sense of, I was kind of tense and stiff because I was fearful of being with people. And it resulted in this crushing sense of loneliness when I was on my own because I just felt like I am unlike anyone else in the world. Only I am this broken. Only I am this messed up. And no one understands. And I had no peace. What changed for me was that someone very gracious, someone very loving, someone very uh, discerning, someone who kind of understood from the outside what was going on inside of me, encouraged me to bring that feeling, that shame to God, to bring it out into the open, to express how I felt and what was going on inside of me. They reassured me as I did that, that God would not reject me. I was so afraid of his rejection, of other people's rejection, if I was honest about how I felt within myself about myself. He told me if I'm willing to humble myself, if I was willing to be honest about my mistakes, and to ask for God's help, God would restore me. He would remove all of those feelings and replace them with feelings of security and knowing that I was loved and forgiven. And so I went through this process of healing where God showed me that he understood all of those things about what I'd done. He he had been there, he'd seen them all. They were no surprise to him, and yet he had continued to love me and care for me in every one of those moments. And as I started to trust him fully and give to him those things, that internal tension, that tightness, that physical sense that I had inside myself of being wrong, started to dissipate, it started to weaken, it gradually left until I noticed that I no longer felt this kind of sense of uh, aloneness, I no longer felt this sense of I'm the stranger in the room, I'm the one that doesn't fit here. I was completely at peace with myself And the Bible says that that is possible for all of us. Philippians 4, 6-7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
There is something truly life-changing about trusting God. And many of us may this morning say we know God. Many of us may say that we believe in God. Many of us may say we've given our lives to God. But I would suggest that there may be some of us here this morning who don't fully trust God. There's something in us that makes us slightly afraid, slightly worried, slightly anxious about what he knows about us or what he's seen us do or the things in our past that he remembers. And all of that is because we have a false view of who God is. We need to be reminded this morning that God is a good father who loves his children, who takes our sin, the Bible says, and separates it as far as the east is from the west. He does not hold these things against you. He isn't keeping a score. He's not got this book somewhere that he's written down all of the stuff you've done in the past, and he's just going to bring it up once in a while to remind you to be better behaved. He's not that kind of father. He is a good father who loves you. As we sang this morning in the first song, he has called you by name. He knows you intimately and he loves you and he has forgiven you and he asks you this morning, will you trust me? Will you fully place your trust in me and give to me all of those things that you've been holding on to that you have limited yourself with, that, you have, that have stopped you from having peace in your heart that passes all understanding because you cannot let go of this thing. And all you have to do is give it to me, he says, and I will deal with it. So peace with God transforms us. Peace within ourselves from God transforms us. And finally, peace with others changes us. Now this one is dependent on the first two. Okay, it's very hard to have peace with other people if you don't have any sense of peace with God or any sense of peace within yourself. But if we are to be a people of peace, then we must pursue peace in all our relationships. When Abby and I first got married, there wasn't a lot of peace in our relationship. There was a whole lot of miscommunication There was a lot of arguing, a lot of tension. Uh, If you know Abby and I, you may well be aware of this, but for those of you who don't, we are complete opposites on pretty much every scale you can imagine. Looks, like she's incredibly good looking. Character, communication, temperament, we're just like the opposites. And in our wedding preparation, the couple that were leading us through said, you do realize We have never met a couple that are so far apart in terms of every kind of element of the relationship ever before. And this is is either going to be a triumph or a complete disaster. They were very honest, the people that did our wedding prep. we We much appreciated it. They opened our eyes to the truth. And that was the reality. In our relationship, we were just, we just didn't communicate in the same way. 
We didn't understand things in the same way. We didn't process things in the same way. And that led to a whole load of conflict in our relationship. But the main reason for that wasn't the relationship between us or our differences. The main reason was that we weren't at peace with God and we weren't at peace within ourselves. And that came out in our relationship with one another. I was so afraid of rejection, so fearful that Abby would see the real me and and reject me, that I held her at a distance. And I didn't fully communicate how I was feeling or what was going on inside of me because I was afraid if she saw that, she would walk away. And so it was only as I went through a process of understanding God's grace for me and his forgiveness for me and allowing that to change me inside and remove that sense of shame that I then found myself fully able to love her and trust her with myself. Peace flourished in our marriage as the two of us were changed by God. And Paul says that this is how it should be for all of us, both within the church and outside. In 2 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. And for those outside of the church that we know, Romans 12, 17 to 18 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The peace that I now experience in my relationship with Abby I also experience in my relationships with my church family because I can fully trust them and share myself with them and I know that God loves me and that I am secure and I can love them and I trust that they love me. And it happens in my relationships with those outside of the church. I have friendships now and relationships with those who don't know Jesus that I would never have been able to have years ago. I'd have been so afraid of stepping out and taking a risk and inviting someone to do something with me or to to be my friend in a way that I would never have done it. But now I can with confidence go into those settings with new people, different people, and I feel internally like this is okay. And whether or not they receive my invitation is up to them. But I'm going to strive, as this passage encourages me, to live at peace with them and to build good relationships with them. And that's how all of us should be. We should be those who bring peace into relationships, that bring that sense of security and trust and reliability, and I am someone who loves you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to betray you. I'm not going to turn my back on you when other people may leave, when other people may reject you for the things that you've done. I'm not going to be that person. And how can we be that? How can we be those people of peace? Because of the first two things that I've spoken about this morning, because we know that that is how God has been with us. We can live at peace with others because God is at peace with us, because we have made right our relationship with him through receiving his grace and forgiveness. 
We have been forgiven much so that we may forgive much. And because of that internal sense of acceptance, of knowing who we are in Christ Jesus, we can go into relationships knowing if this person hurts me or rejects me or walks away from me, that doesn't affect in any way how valuable I am, how loved I am, how whole I am. Because those things depend upon Jesus and not upon them. So there's three ways we can be a people of peace. We can be a people of peace by receiving forgiveness from God and trusting in his mercy and his grace. We can be a people of peace by bringing to God anything which may prevent us internally from finding peace with ourselves. And we can be a people of peace by extending love and acceptance and grace to others and living at peace with them. I'd just like to invite the band to come up now as I uh, ask us to respond to God this morning. So if you'd like to stand. Now, if it helps you to uh, close your eyes at this point to avoid distraction, then feel free to do that. But I just want this to be a moment between you and God and there are three very simple things that I want to ask you to do this morning. As a church at River City, we're going through what we're calling a year of obedience. We feel like each year God gives us a word or a thing that he wants us to do. Uh, the year before was a year of thanks. This is, for us, we feel a year of obedience. God is asking us to be obedient to him. And so it at the end of each meeting, we think about, well, what would obedience look like for me? What would it look like for me to obey what God is asking of me this morning, what he's saying to me? And I think there are three ways this morning that you might choose to be obedient. For some of you here this morning or watching online, I feel like obedience for you looks like making peace with God. Maybe you've been angry with him. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while or you've been watching online and you've heard that you need to repent of your sin, that you need to ask God for forgiveness for the things that you've done wrong, that Jesus offers you forgiveness but there's been an internal struggle going on within you. You enjoy living your own life. You don't like being made to feel guilty. You're worried that God is going to, in some way, make you feel worse when you talk to him about the stuff that you've done wrong. 
or that he might not forgive you if you ask. Maybe you feel like what you've done is so bad that his offer of forgiveness isn't for you. It's for other people who've done less bad stuff. But this morning, God says to you, come to me. All who are weary and burdened, come that you might find rest. He's asking you this morning to stop running away. To stop resisting. Stop blaming and arguing and instead this morning to receive his grace, his forgiveness for you. It's as easy as just saying to him, God, I'm sorry. I want to change. I want to know that you love me and that you've forgiven me. Would you show me this morning that that's true? So maybe this morning, obedience for you looks like receiving God's forgiveness and making peace with him. Secondly, maybe obedience this morning for you looks like choosing to trust God again. There are things happening in your life, things happening inside of yourself that are stealing your peace. They're robbing you of peace and you've been unwilling to give those things to God. Maybe you're afraid of what he'll do with them, how he's going to react to them. That you'll lose control of that situation. God just wants to encourage you to trust him. I recently had a situation with my family where some really difficult things were happening in the life of my sister. And I was stressed about it all the time. I was worrying about it. I was anxious. I didn't really know what to do to help or to make the situation better. And as I came to God with that and told him how I was feeling, he showed me a, a picture of a, of a tangled ball of string. And he said to me, John, there's, there's absolutely no way you can untie this. He used the passage where God says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He was like, God, John, this is too much for you. <laughs> You're not clever enough in any way to resolve this situation. So you need to give the string to me because I'm the one who knows where the end is. I can perfectly unravel everything and restore it to the way it should be, but you need to trust me with it. And so I just, in my mind, handed him that ball of string and watched as he carefully began the process of untangling it for me. And maybe this morning you need to give something to God that you're worried about, that you're stressed about, that's robbing you of peace and say, God, I know that I can't fix this. I'm trusting you. And finally, maybe this morning obedience for you looks like going and making peace with someone else. Maybe you've recently had a disagreement or an argument or a fight with someone. Maybe even on the way here this morning. 
Maybe there's a relationship that's been broken for a long time because neither of you has felt secure or safe enough to take the first step towards reconciliation. That you've been unwilling to be the first to say sorry or to ask for forgiveness. And this morning, maybe obedience for you is saying, actually, I have been forgiven so much. I should forgive. I should seek to make peace, to reconcile. And so just as the band begin to play and we head towards another song of worship, I just want you to respond to God and say, God, this is what I'm going to do this morning in obedience. This is my choice. This is what I choose this morning to do. I'm going to ask God for forgiveness. I'm going to ask you for peace, for forgiveness for my sin. Or, God, this morning I'm going to give you these things inside of me that stop me feeling at peace. Would you deal with them? Would you take the burden of them off me? Or, God, this morning I want to forgive that person that I'm not in good relationship with. Would you help me to make peace with them? Let's respond to God this morning.